Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position. There's a wide variety of opportunities and it's a great place to get experience. It's a great place to really put your mark because the experience that I offer my guests is unique to me. Crystal Wood Lodge is such a reflection of my personality, my priorities, and my commitment to my guests. And so it really gives you an opportunity to be very unique and individual and express yourself. Hello, it's Felicia Gopal here for the Career 100 podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us and welcome you to today's podcast. Today we're continuing our series on the top 100 careers and talking with someone from the hospitality industry. Today's guests entered the field after 21 years in the Silicon Valley and deciding at a point to change careers and combine her interest in travel and dogs into a new career as a lodge owner. Lodge owners, like today's guests, make sure that guests on vacation or business travel have a pleasant experience while ensuring that the establishment that they run is run efficiently and profitably. Employment in the field is expected to grow 8% between 2010 to 2020. Those with a college degree in hotel or hospitality management are expected to have the best opportunities, and applicants who are interested in this field can expect strong competition for most jobs. Today's guest is Liz Parridge, who grew up in the Midwest and discovered early on her passion for both travel and for dogs. Liz majored in electrical and computer science at Rice University in Texas and began a high-tech career in California, Silicon Valley. After 21 years in a number of different positions, she moved to Southern Oregon and bought the Crystal World Lodge at the base of the Cascades near Crater Lake National Park. Liz's goal was to turn Crystalwood Lodge into a pet-friendly destination resort, which enabled her to live her other dream, which was developing her own dog sled team and competing in the 2008 Iditarod sled dog race in celebration of her 50th birthday. Along the way, she met and conquered challenges from cancer, meningitis, fibromyalgia, and osteoporosis. Liz spent a lifetime preparing for the twin challenges of owning a lodge and competing in the Iditarod. She lives by the motto, quitting is not an option. So tell me, Liz, how did you become a hotel owner? Well, Felicia, it was a career change for me. I originally had a long and somewhat illustrious career in high tech and my background's technical and I've been involved in software development and then software marketing for many, many years. And I was looking to make a change and basically find a career that would allow me to move to a location that I wanted to live in. I was living in Silicon Valley at the time. And so my basically becoming a hotel owner was my ticket out. And one of my passions is travel, and I enjoy meeting new people, and so it just seemed like a natural fit to do something in the hospitality industry. And so I was looking for, again, 
relocation ability. And so buying my own place would afford me that as well. So it, it all sort of came together as a way for me to make a career change and a location change and, and basically be able to kind of follow my passion. So, you know, I'm somebody who likes to travel. I grew up traveling. My father was in the military, so we traveled a lot until I was about 12. And then, you know, since college, I did a lot of traveling until I started having kids. And then I started traveling when they got a little older. So I'm somebody who can completely resonate with the marriage of travel and what it is that you're doing. I also used to live in the Silicon Valley, so I understand the congestion. And I understand why, for some people, you know, you want to get out of that particular environment. So you are now where? Uh, I have a lodge, a small lodge, which is a sort of a pet-friendly destination lodge called Crystalwood. Crystalwood Lodge, which is just outside of Crater Lake National Park in southern Oregon. So I'm just at the base of the Cascade Mountains. And so it's a very rural location. So that, again, is a big change from Silicon Valley. I really, both from a physical environment. I, I got tired of the traffic, of the congestion and planning my life around traffic patterns. And I also, I wanted to not only enjoy the mountains full time, but I wanted to, to be my own boss. And so that was the psychological side of getting out of Silicon Valley was, you know, having the, the freedom and the flexibility and the ability to, you know, to make my own schedule and be able to call the shots and do what I thought was the right thing to do. So being an owner was the right way to do that. Great. So what sorts of problems does a lodge owner have to address and deal with in running your business? Well, there's a lot of things that you would normally expect in terms of the the physical property, right? You have to do maintenance, you have to do cleaning, you have to make sure that it's guest ready at all times. So curb appeal, landscaping, all of that is important, and it varies by season. I happen to live in a place where we have four seasons, and so what I do varies year-round depending on if I have to plow because of the snow or if I have to mow the grass because of the summer, that sort of thing. The second area of problems and things to focus on really revolves around the guest experience. So, as I mentioned, I have a pet-friendly lodge, And so a lot of what I do is making sure that it's welcoming to families or individuals that are traveling with the entire family, which to me includes the pets. And so that's primarily dogs, but I have the occasional cat or bird that comes along on vacation as well. And so at the same time, I want to attract and support and really have those people have a a wow experience. But I also want to support and provide for guests that don't have pets. So that means things like making sure that there's no pet hair or an odor around and making sure that the pet welcoming amenities are not in the way if people don't have pets. So a lot of focus on the guest experience and really trying to anticipate why people would come to my area, why people would come to my facility and what they're looking for and what I can do to provide to make their experience the absolute best that it can be. And then the third area really is in terms of the problems that you have with staffing. And I'll just kind of call it staffing in general, whether it's direct employees or whether it's contract help. One of the things I learned, I was very naive when I first went into this business, 
in the sense that I did not realize uh, how challenging it was going to be to attract and, and retain quality employees in a rural environment, especially. And so since I'm, I live almost an hour out of town or away from our closest town, that's really a tough situation. And so I've tried a number of different things over the years, but certainly maintaining uh, appropriate staffing and quality staffing has been an ongoing challenge for me. So I wanted to kind of have two follow-up questions. And one is, I imagine that staffing is a problem whether you live in a rural area or not. But what sorts of things have you kind of put in place as a lodge owner that have really helped you address the staffing issue since you do live in a rural area? Well, you're right. It is challenging no matter what uh, because a lot of times the hospitality industry is uh, perhaps more seasonal or more transient, you know, a career stepping stone. Somebody's doing it while they're in college or they're doing it, you know, until they get a, a different job or a better job, that type of thing. And so for a lot of the hourly work, I have basically gone to doing more of contract work. So I have specific contractors that assist me with the landscaping, with the maintenance, with the housekeeping and cleaning, that sort of thing. And yet it's also important to get people that will have some sense of, again, that guest experience. So in other words, I don't want somebody, even if they're the best landscaper in the world, if they've got a sullen attitude and they feel like the guests are, you know, intruding on them because they're getting in the way of their work, I can't have that. It's all about somebody coming here and being able to relax and enjoy themselves. They're on vacation. They're getting away from the stresses of their everyday life. And so I need to have my help in whatever form be able to support that. The other thing that I've done is over the years, I've experimented with a lot of different business models in terms of the type of guests that I wanted to attract and the way that I wanted the experience to go, whether from an overnight guest perspective as an individual or a couple, for example, uh, traveling here, they come often to come to Crater Lake because that's the big tourist attraction in our area is Crater Lake National Park. And so I realized early on, for example, that I did not really care to support people that just stayed one night. So they come in late, they leave early. Basically, they're looking for a Motel 6, and we don't have a Motel 6 in our area, so they just want to stay in one night for the cheapest rate possible. That's not the kind of experience I want to provide, and therefore that's not the kind of guests that I want to attract. So I, I moved from that model to more of a bed and breakfast type model, did that for a few years. Doing food service in any fashion is really a lot of work and can be very stressful. And so I moved from that model after a few years to what I'm currently doing, which is allowing my guests full use of the property, including the kitchen. I have a full commercial kitchen and guests get to use that. So I'm currently today primarily renting out to groups that are coming for events like weddings or workshops or family reunions, uh, retreats, church retreats, that sort of thing. And they rent the entire lodge. They use the facility however they want to use it. And it works out great because it's totally theirs and they can relax and have a private, intimate experience. And I can basically get them settled, answer questions, you know, help out if there's anything that they need help with during their stay. But I don't have to be there physically 
you know, providing that ongoing level of service and support that you would need to do in a, a standard sort of nightly hotel. Got it. Because I like to travel, I do, I spend a lot of time in hotels or motels or, you know, whatever it is that I choose to go with. And I know that one of the things that has really struck me as I've been talking to you is your attention to the customer experience, because I can tell you, you know, big chains, small trains, different types of hotels will pay attention to that or not. And mm-hmm. it, it's striking that they're in the hospitality business and they pay no attention to that. You know, I sometimes wonder, is that because I'm in hotels so much that I notice this when it's lacking? Or, you know, I kind of sometimes wonder, what is their attention on if it's not on the customer experience? Because, you know, I'm not the neatest person. But I notice a hotel room where it's really not clean. I remember during the summer, we spent some time going to Orlando. And the hotel that we ended up staying in, first and foremost, if it wasn't part of the package, I wouldn't have stayed there. I would have gone into the room and then I would have checked immediately out. So that was one thing. And the thing is, you were afraid to sit on the chair. You were afraid to have the covers. I, you know, the first thing we did was strip, the, you know, the, the coverlet off the bed because it looked like it had never been cleaned. It, it's not that it hadn't been cleaned recently. It just looked like it had never been cleaned. There were stains on the carpets. I mean, it was just not a very helpful place to be. And I just kept on wondering, what were they thinking about? I mean, you know, it didn't look like they were trying to renovate any other rooms. So it wasn't like they hadn't got to my rooms. It just looked like the whole hotel was just kind of run down and ragged. So customer experiences is something that I think hotel managers, that really needs to be something that you look at with a keen eye, as well as look at it from the perspective that you were looking at it is, what type of client am I trying to attract? You know, I stayed at a five-star hotel outside of New York a while ago, and I happened to be in a room where they were having a party underneath my room. And I called down to the hotel and they said, well, it's going to end at one o'clock. We can move you now. But it was 12 o'clock at night. So I wasn't very interested in being moved. But the next day, part of their customer experience was I didn't have to pay for my room. That was unexpected. And it really just went to show that this is a hotel that pays attention to the customer experience. Yes, you're absolutely right, Felicia. The it's really the core, I, th- I view as an owner, it's the core reason that I exist, that I'm here, that my facility exists. You know, I view it as so much more than just a bed and a shower. Uh, it's really an experience. And so when you look at it, you know, one of the reasons that I, I felt comfortable making this career change is because I do like to travel and I travel with my dogs and I, I know what I look for. I know what makes me happy, what works for me to have a great experience. And so I felt very engaged and able to make that happen for my guests. So in other words, I'm kind of my own ideal client. And so I really felt in touch with the type of people I was looking to attract and the type of experience I was looking to provide. I felt like I was pretty well dialed into that. And, you know, I didn't want to have a cookie-cutter facility. I didn't want to have, as I mentioned, like a Motel 6. or I just didn't want to have a, a chain facility 
in any way. So, and that includes everything from, you know, all my guest rooms are unique, the atmosphere is unique, the area, the physical environment is unique, it's a historical property. And I think the two biggest compliments that I get, honestly, just consistently, the two biggest compliments that I get are, one is when somebody walks in and they know that we're pet friendly and they don't have pets and they kind of go, wow, there's no doggy smell and there's no dog hair. Well, of course not, because we clean. I mean, you know, I, to me that goes without saying, but, but it surprises a lot of people. And the other compliment I get is when people walk in and they, you can see them visibly relax, and they say, wow, this place feels like home. And I try to maintain that. And to me, that's a huge compliment because my facility was originally a homestead, you know, built uh, over 100 years ago and, of course, modernized over time and so forth. But in its best when it's filled with, you know, families and laughter and kids and it, it should feel like home. So when people tell me that, I thought, yep, got it made. Yeah, that would be something that would be really important to me and my customer experience. I mean, you know, sometimes I just like to go really high-end shishi hotel just because, you know, sometimes you just want to kind of treat yourself. But in general, my basic feeling is I'm looking for someplace where I can be comfortable, somewhere I can feel like I'm at home, or at least I'm well cared for. And that's part of the customer experience that I look for. I'm not somebody who would normally look for a pet-friendly hotel. However, I would be one of those people who would say something like, oh, no dog smell, no cat smell. Uh, one of the things that really struck me when I first moved into this house is you could tell there had been a cat in this house. You know, and I'm not allergic, but I could just tell. And it just seemed like some days the smell was really, really intense. And so my husband was like, well, what are you going to do about it? I said, I'm going to have the rugs cleaned. And he's just like, what? You're going to have the rugs cleaned? And I was just like, you can't tell. But I go, you can smell it. I go, I'm not a cat person, but I, I go, I can really smell it when I come down some mornings. And since I've gotten it all cleaned up, it has gone away and I'm a much happier person in my home experience. So I, I definitely understand and appreciate when you have guests who say that, how that makes you feel. You bet. So is there a career path to becoming a lodge owner, hotel owner? Well, as I mentioned, mine was a little bit circuitous because I started out in high tech. And a number of people do view hospitality and, and in particular lodge or hotel ownership as an alternative or perhaps a second career. But in general, of course, there are hotel and restaurant management degree programs. My sister was in one actually at Purdue many years ago. And so there are certainly programs that help you get the basics of the hospitality industry. A lot of people do OJT and certainly getting experience is really valuable. Could you tell us what OJT is? Oh, sorry, on-the-job training. Okay. Um, yeah, because a lot of people do, as I mentioned, you know, they get a summer job or uh, an internship in working in some sort of a hotel or working in a restaurant or like a resort for a seasonal type of activity, and that's great. And actually, if you keep your eyes and ears open, you can learn a lot that way. You can take workshops. When I first started uh, researching 
properties and, and looking at where I wanted to locate and so forth. I took a number of hands-on workshops. I joined a professional innkeeping association. It's called PI, the Professional Association of Innkeepers International. Uh, went to their conferences, networked with other lodge owners, really tried to learn as much as I could. And there's, there's a wealth of information out there above and beyond specific degree programs. Uh, having said all that, the things that I think are most important are skills in uh, business management and skills in customer service. And those, of course, are the two things. We, we've been talking a lot about customer experience, and, and the customer service aspect, of course, is paramount because every time you answer the phone, every time somebody comes to your facility, every time you know there's a guest inquiry, it's not an interruption of your day. It's the reason for your day. And so I really, you know, I truly believe that and have tried to instill that in my staff and so forth. And the, the flip side of that is that while you're out there, you're, you know, promoting your destination as a business owner, you're trying to make people aware of it. You're trying to make sure that people not only know about your area, but your property and, and why they should pick your property and so forth. So there's, you know, the marketing side, of course, is, is important, but it's also, you know, important to run it as a business. Unfortunately, sometimes as a second career or, you know, as a retirement option, people think about, oh, you know, I stayed at a bed and breakfast once and I really enjoyed it. And that would be really cool to own one and and just kind of sit on the veranda and, and people come to me and we can have tea in the afternoon and chat with them. And and the reality is it's a whole lot of work. <laughs> and it doesn't lend itself to too much sitting down and having tea in the afternoon. Um, yes, I do like the flexibility in my schedule. I like the ability that I can talk with a guest in the morning or the afternoon or whenever they need me. But I'm often working from the moment I wake up to the moment I, I go to sleep. So it's a very busy environment, especially during the season. Our area is known as a summer recreation destination. And so depending on, on the area, for example, a, an urban or a city property may be year-round. Many places like my area is rural, the big attraction is Crater Lake, most people come to Crater Lake in the summertime, and so therefore that's our, our busy season is probably June to through September. But whatever, you know, if you were looking at it and considering it as a career choice, you know, those are the types of things that you need to take into account. And the fundamental skills can be gained in a lot of different ways and a lot of different areas, not just a traditional career program or degree program, but they can come together and really particularly with smaller properties, such as mine, people are very interested in talking to the owner. And they're interested in your background, and they're interested in the fact that I have sled dogs. They're interested in the fact that I was an engineer. They're interested in the fact that I came from the Midwest originally, that sort of thing. So it's a very personal relationship you develop with your guests, particularly in a smaller property as opposed to a big, you know, chain motel. Absolutely. So if you had the opportunity to give a young Liz advice, what advice would you give yourself today on your current career based on what you know now? I would really give myself the advice to get as much dialed into the business side of running a business, the numbers, the financial aspects, 
as I mentioned, you know, the whole thing with staffing and uh, employee management and the employee experience, all of those I learned through the School of Hard Knocks, meaning I learned as I went along. And those were things that I wish I had known going into it. I think it would have made my life a lot easier and simpler, and, and I would have made, in some cases, better choices because, you know, I wouldn't have had to have learned all of these things the hard way. The fundamental perspective of customer service is one that I have felt very passionately about, even in high tech. From my career in high tech, part of what I did was manage a customer support department. And so I became very passionate about customer service during that particular part of my career. And yet, I think that being able to translate that from a business-to-business sort of environment into a very consumer-oriented, very vacation-traveler-oriented environment is something that is, I, I continue to learn, which is kind of one of the things that I really like. There's a lot of things to learn in this environment. I may not be building technology, but I'm certainly a user of technology. So being able to be comfortable with technology, with the marketing and promotion of my property, being comfortable with technology in terms of running it, things like reservation systems and accounting systems, all of that's really important. So I would certainly have told myself, you know, to continue to be as technically savvy as I can, uh, particularly in terms of using good applications. And I think the last thing that I probably would tell myself would be if I was going to do it over again, I would want to make sure that I sort of carefully thought about where I wanted to be further down the road. And I think you can probably say that, you know, going into any career, right? But in particular, the hospitality industry is evolving quite a bit. It's very much impacted by the economy. The last few years uh, since the economy tank uh, have been tough. And so in that sense, it's kind of cyclical or, or very dependent because it's largely discretionary spending with the kind of travelers that I attract. You know, people are, are going to come for a family reunion or they're going to come for a vacation or not, depending on if they feel they have the money and the ability to, to do that. And so I have a lot of things that I've discovered that are out of my control. And so because of that, I've evolved my business model to try to keep up and sort of maximize what I can offer people. And I I didn't think that through or have that realization ahead of time. I've sort of adapted as conditions demanded. And so it's nice to be able to do that. But certainly in retrospect, it probably it would have been helpful to have a little bit bigger understanding of where hospitality fits in the in the bigger picture for my guests. And the other thing I'll mention is that one of the other trends I've seen over the last several years in hospitality, and again, this is very much related to what I have in, in terms of my location and, and the experience I offer, but people are increasingly coming from urban and suburban environments, and they bring those expectations with them no matter where they travel. So even though I'm quote-unquote, out in the middle of nowhere, which I don't feel like I am, but somebody from San Francisco or L.A., I'm out in the middle of nowhere. And so, but they're bringing those expectations with them. They're bringing expectations in terms of 
you know, the environment, the physical environment. You know, they don't want mosquitoes. Well, I happen to live next to a, a wetland, so I have mosquitoes in the summertime. They expect Wi-Fi. I, I put it in about three or four years ago, and at that time, it was something that set me apart. It was a bonus. It was unexpected, an unexpected treat. Now guests demand it, and people will or won't stay here, depending on if I can supply them with a connection to the, their world. So those types of things, as the the guest profile continues to evolve, the economy continues to evolve, all of these things really affect hospitality in the hospitality industry in, in very, very direct ways. You know, it's funny because I remember when they first started putting in Wi-Fi into hotels and how it was kind of unusual, as you said, to get a hotel when they had Wi-Fi. And then I realized a couple of years later, there were the hotels where you got it for free and then there were the hotels where you were still paying for it. And, you know, so I started gravitating for towards the hotels where you don't pay for it. And then the next thing was hotels are now charging you per device. That was one of the things that I noticed with uh, one of the hotels that I like to stay in, the New, New York, New Jersey area, is one of the hotels was charging me per device connected. And I just thought that that was really outrageous because there was no way if they're charging me $10 per device that I should have to pay $30 when I'm staying at the hotel for one or two nights. So 60 bucks for the two nights that I'm there to be connected to the internet for, you know, maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, while I'm there. It's not like I'm, I'm not the type of person if I'm staying in a hotel who's going to be on the internet for hours and hours. I'm not getting that kind of value from it. And it just seems like, again, it's a disconnect from what we were talking about before in terms of the customer experience. You know, I did not like it and kind of made a mental note to myself, I'm not staying there again if that's the way they're going to treat me because I just thought that now you're really starting to get into this airline price gouging. You know, everybody has to have a suitcase, but now we are being charged for the suitcase, whereas for you know, hundreds of years, it was free to bring your suitcase on. So I understand that everything is really evolving and people are coming with their expectations of, you know, just because I'm on vacation does not mean that I want to be disconnected from my world. Right. And, you know, many times, uh, just, just a couple of years ago, people really were willing to, they're in their mind, being on vacation meant being unplugged. And it certainly does not anymore. Quite the opposite. Yeah, me and my husband have that conversation because he's just like, we're in a hotel. He's just like, would you like to check the internet? And I'm just like, no, I'm on vacation. He's just like, but what if? And I was just like, that's why I've got the little message that says I'm on vacation. But, you know, I'm on vacation for the next 10 days. And when I get back is when I will respond to you. But he's one of those people that's always connected. You know, it's just like you have to tell him, let's put the phone down while we're eating. Let's just have a conversation, honey. So I do understand that people are really kind of taking that expectation into their vacation. So let me ask you, what are some of the myths and misconceptions about being a hotel owner? You talked about one of them, which is, you know, I'm going to become an owner and then I'm going to be able to sit on the veranda chatting with my guests. 
you know, and hardly doing any work. But that's really kind of a misconception because it seems to me one of the things you're going to need to do is you're going to need to get found. You're going to need to maintain the property. I mean, there's lots of other things that you need to do. What are some other common misconceptions uh, that you found that people might have about what you do? Well, certainly that's the biggest one. And it kind of manifests itself in different ways because I had some folks that came out from in town, one of the vendors that I have and invited him and his wife out to dinner and we were sitting in the dining room and he kind of kicks back in his chair after dinner and looks out the window this beautiful vista and he says well gee it must be really nice to just live here and get to see this all day every day you know and sit here and look at the view I have a you know cubicle office and and I I was stunned that he would even imagine that I sat there and looked out the window all day (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah it's to the level that it's not like I hover over my guests it's not like I am at their beck and call and yet when I have guests on the property I also live here on the property in a separate residence I have a separate house and yet when I have guests on the property it's different it feels different I mentally am sort of on call you know I take my phone and I put it on my bedstand at night because in case there's a problem, if they want to call me, it hasn't happened very often, but, you know, over the last dozen years, it's happened a handful of times where something's happened in the middle of the night. If guests don't arrive on time, then, you know, I am either worried about them or I'm waiting for them. I have had numerous instances where, you know, if somebody says they're going to arrive at 6 and they either arrive at 2 or they arrive at 10, really throws your day out of whack. You know, can I go to bed or not? Can I eat dinner or not? Can I go run an errand or not? So that level of impact on your daily schedule is something that I really think people do not appreciate. I didn't appreciate it before I got into the business. I did not appreciate how much mentally and emotionally I would be impacted by simply having, you know, having guests on the property and and the possibility that they may have a question. If I go over to the lodge, I have learned, particularly uh, when it's busy during the busy time of the year, if I go over to the lodge, I have to expect that I'm going to get waylaid with questions. And often, you know, people want to know, well, tell me about this building. This is really neat. You know, how old is this building? Was this originally, you know, a farmhouse or whatever? And so there are always interesting questions, and I want to share that with my guests. That's part of the joy I get out of having a facility and being the owner and being able to share it with guests. But then I find it all of a sudden two hours have gone by. And and it kind of just shoots your day, you know. So those are the types of things that kind of all wraps around this idea that your time is not your own. You know, it's really a service industry. And in, in terms of really being able to implement that idea of hospitality, you really have to put yourself at your guest's service. And so you never can really 100% anticipate what they may need. And so it's always engaging. Most of the time in a great way. Most of my guests are 100% wonderful and I've made a whole bunch of new friends. Every once in a while, you know, you have the, the guest that is a little bit challenging and a little bit uh, trial by fire, 
but it's always in a, a level of engagement that goes along with this profession that is often, I think, not appreciated. Got it. You know, as you were talking, I was really kind of struck and reminded of it's like having children because, you know, one of the things is I think as a mother, I can't quite sleep as hard as I'd like to when you're listening for the children, the murmur of the children, you know, are they breathing? You know, I remember when they were small and they had the little monitor next to them and it's just like, Hmm, I haven't heard them turn over. And so, you know, you go back to the crazy stories about SIDS. And so you have to get up and you have to go and check on your children. But it's the same sort of thing. It's just like your time is not really fully your own, even though you're in a business where you are the owner. You still have a relationship with these people who are basically helping you um, pay the mortgage and all the rest of that sort of stuff, pay the bills. And so you've got to remember, respect, and honor that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I really, you know, I really feel compelled, for example, I mean, one example of many is that I have sled dogs and I have a sled dog team. That's one of the reasons that I got into this particular property is because when I looked at my business plan and I had my long list of requirements to have a pet-friendly lodge. It was the same list of requirements that also enabled me to have my sled dog team. And so guests find that, on one hand, fascinating. They ask lots of questions. They want to meet the dogs and all of that. So again, that's a level of engagement and uniqueness that I can offer, which makes it a really special experience for them, and they really genuinely appreciate it. On the other hand, I would like to be able to do more with my dogs than I can because when people are on the property, they're on vacation. And for most people, when they're on vacation, that means they want to sleep in. And so I really feel compelled that if, you know, somebody's on the property, I can't be making noise at five or six or seven in the morning with my dogs. So when having the dogs here, it's kind of a a yin and yang On one hand, guests want to engage with them and learn about them and take pictures, and it's really a unique vacation experience story that they can go back and tell their friends. But on the other hand, they don't really want me to disturb their sleep. And and so I'm really limited in terms of what I can do on my own property with my own dogs when I have guests here because I don't really want to disturb their, their morning until they're up and about on their own and I'm not, you know, waking them up. Yeah, oh, dark 30. Yes, I understand. So why do you think that being a hotel owner is on the list of the top 100 careers? Well, I think personally, Felicia, that the main reason would be that it's a great career for somebody that's people-oriented. And, of course, a lot of folks are. So it combines the best of a number of worlds. If you're people-oriented and outgoing and you want to... You get energized by dealing with other people. This is a great career. If you want to be part of the travel industry and part of the hospitality industry, it's a great career because obviously you've got to have facilities, you know, for people to stay in no matter where. And obviously the definition of hotel, in my mind, kind of ranges, you know, lodging is a huge, huge wide gamut of everything from RV parks and tent campgrounds on one end uh, through, you know, individual boutique properties like mine, through chain hotels, through, you know, the five-star 
hotels that you were talking about earlier. So depending on where you want to, you know, be in that spectrum of hospitality, there's a wide variety of opportunities. And it's, it's a great place to get experience. It's a great place to really put your mark because the experience that I offer my guests is unique to me. You know, Crystal Wood Lodge is such a reflection of my personality and my priorities and my commitment to my guests. And so it really gives you an opportunity to be very unique and individual and express yourself. So for all those reasons, I think it's a great career. Absolutely. So do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us? Well, I think that being a lodge owner or a hotel owner, as we've talked, it certainly has its pluses, it has its challenges on balance. I think that at the end of the day, it's something that for the people that it's the right fit for, you have to maintain your balance in your life. One of the things I learned when I joined PI, the innkeeping organization, is that the uh, average life span of an innkeeper, meaning how long people are in the industry, is only seven years because people burn out. And Mm. so you really have to maintain that balance. That's really important because I met innkeepers when I went to the Pi Conference. I met innkeepers that have been doing it for 25 years and they were still as enthused and effervescent and engaged and just so customer-oriented as they were when they first got in the in the business so it can be done and i would certainly encourage you know any students that are considering hospitality to really walk in with your eyes wide open and understand that it's really important to maintain yourself and take care of yourself as well as you take care of your guests because that's really important and that's one of the reasons that the facility that i'm in here at crystal wood lodge i like living here i have a separate house i try to have you know kind of my own thing that I do and the guests do their thing. And so I've, I've worked over the years to maintain that balance. And during the season, I'm really focused on the lodge. The rest of the year, you know, I'm more focused on me and what I need to uh, rejuvenate and, and maintain that balance. So it can be done and it just requires, you know, being able to walk into this career knowing that. Perfect. So if somebody wanted to learn more about you or learn more about your lodge, could you share with us how to get a hold of you? Yeah, the best way is through my website, which is crystalwoodlodge.com. That's all one word. That's all spelled normally, Crystal Wood Lodge. And we're located just outside uh, Crater Lake National Park, just south of the park, which is there's one entrance that's open year-round, and that's the south entrance. So we do have lots of, for example, year-round recreation opportunities in this area. So it's a little spot of paradise. And, you know, it's one of those things that I would certainly welcome anyone to, you know, contact me with questions or you can get a lot of information on the website. There's pictures and videos and descriptions and all that. But if if you want to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me through the uh, email and the phone on the website. Perfect. Well, I have to tell you that this has been an outstanding interview for me. It's just like, I think I got a better understanding of the hospitality industry. You know, I've always thought of it from an outsider perspective in terms of, you know, how well they make my experience be a fit for what it is that I'm trying to do in a particular location. But I think that you really gave us a good sense of what it's like to be a uh, lodge owner 
and what it is that you do on your side to make the customer experience as wonderful as it sounds like it is for your guests. I am excited and I'm, I was definitely sitting here as you were sharing, thinking, okay, I think this is going to be one of my next vacations. I'm going to have to go up to the Crystalwood Lodge and go check it out uh, next summer. You know, it sounds like a great way for me to kind of get away from, uh, you know, the husband, the kids, the whatever. You know, I could bring a couple of girlfriends and we could just kind of hang out for a weekend or a week or so. But it really sounds like a tremendous place. And I definitely encourage uh, our listeners, if you're interested in more information, we'll include in the show notes something that will link to both Liz's site, uh, Crystal Woods Lodge, as well as the industry association that she talked about, PI, and uh, you'll be able to get that. Liz, I so much, and thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it, and thank you for sharing. Hey, well, you're welcome, Felicia. I'm, I'm happy to do it. As a lodge owner, I so appreciate when I go to another facility and I can see someone you know, exuding and implementing the same type of passion and dedication to a great customer experience. So the more of us that are in the, in the business, the better. So I'm happy to help. All right. Well, thank you very much. To learn more about the college planning process, I invite you to visit our website at College Funding Resource. I invite my listeners to keep coming back every week to learn and listen to more of our Career 100 podcasts. At College Funding Resource, you'll be able to listen to guests like Liz who have valuable information to share about their respective careers. I also would like to thank all of our listeners for joining us today, and I hope that you will join me again for the next installment of the Career 100 podcast. If you feel like you've benefited from this podcast, I invite you to go into iTunes and rate this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011, giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession. If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 Podcast.